Welcome back to Well Played, a podcast on playful learning. Here today we have Sean, and we are talking about the Bartle test. Uh, the Bartle test is a test to figure out your gamer profile, what type of gamer you are. It was mainly centered around uh, first-person shooter games, so some of the questions don't always like apply to our classrooms per se, but it's a pretty powerful test and well-respected test in sort of the game world. Uh, but before we begin, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, Sean, why don't you go first? Hi, my name is Sean Dugan-Strout. I'm a fifth grade teacher over in Southern Oregon. This is your second well-played podcast. Uh, last one, you were deciding between different space themes to go generic space or sort of a thematic space like Star Wars or Star Trek, something like that. Uh, That's right, yeah. I think, I think our listeners kind of want to to hear the conclusion of that story which one did you go with well you know everything you know it could change because it's <laughs> not the start of the school year but because you have I, more than 24 hours left that's right <laughs> that's right yeah uh it's like a 24-hour episode with keeper sutherland uh, there's so much that could change within one hour so right. i changed uh my mind i think i'm gonna go with generic space but with a twist because I was thinking like, well, what could I do to introduce these characters and how much work is it going to be to make my own stuff and like develop like this artwork and stuff. So I'm going to include Lego in my theme. So stop motion and character development and the villains. I think my villain's going to be Lord Business from the Lego movie. Nice. So that's going to be, he's going to be a Will Ferrell. I'd, I got to figure out who's going to do the voice for Will Ferrell. So I got to. So we went, work on that or hire somebody. <laughs> so we went with generic space, uh, but what's really epic about what you just said, you're choosing to kind of do all your own, you know, sort of promo imagery using Legos. I got really inspired by the last couple of podcasts. One was about onboarding. How are you going to present this to your kids? And I was thinking about that a lot. And uh, I was thinking, well, what could be better than Legos? First of all, I I hadn't even owned any Legos, so this has been uh, thirty oh. years. <laughs> uh, a lot. It's been like a long wait for me. But thirty years later, I opened my first box of Legos the other day, and I just started playing around with them. And my wife was like, "So I, this is what teachers do over the summer break, huh?" I think if but, we if we just sort of quiet down for a moment. I think you can hear Quinn Rollins falling onto the ground as he just passed out. As there's a human being who had touched Legos. Are we gonna have a Legos. moment of silence? I mean, no, like, I, touched, I feel I bad. Legos. Like, Quinn, no, 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 no. Quinn, Wait, I hope you... you're still alive. Like, we'll call after the show. We'll call and make sure you're okay. Wait, it's not like that, Michael. I played with Legos, but I actually never could afford Legos. In fact, my dad. He felt so bad that we didn't have Legos. He uh, he was a carpenter and electrician, and so uh, he had all these power tools. He uh, what he did was he cut up these blocks so they were like Lego um, and they were like Lincoln Logs, but they didn't interconnect. So they're basically just a pile of uh, scrap wood that <laughs> he painted and he gave them to me. I think it was in fourth grade. I was like, thanks, Dad, but I could tell he it, like it. He tried his, he did his best, but there is, they weren't Legos and that's what all the kids were playing with. I was like, Oh, I want Legos so bad. So 30 years later, later, I just bought my own Lego set. I got some Minecraft Legos. I got some 
space Legos. I got the Benny, the blue spaceman from the 1980s. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's he's gonna be my uh, main character. One of my yeah, one of my protagonists. He's gonna probably do, be the one doing onboarding. He's gonna be the one explaining things. He seems like a you know really organizational kind of guy. So I think I'm gonna include him. Yeah, and like be- the one better, that always wants to build a spaceship. <laughs> better than the Microsoft paperclip, if you remember oh. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think when I was in third grade, that guy was very helpful. He's like, "So you want to edit your document?" <laughs> um, I, I see here that you're ready to save. Yep, you got it. Well, that sounds good. So you're so Quinn, I think, is hopefully not passed out. So the the revision the revision is just that you couldn't afford them, which then oh, the, which which then did, yeah. well, which I was going to say then fits you into basically the the crowd of everyone because Legos are really darn expensive. Well, I was uh, yeah, I was kind of toiling over it yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Like I could literally spend thousands of dollars on this and uh, just be in the poorhouse, but. They well, are still expensive. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you you tweet out some of the, you know, uh, videos that you create using these and the graphics. Oh you, yeah, you use I'll these. definitely I, share out some stuff. I think this is gonna be awesome. All right, but on to today's topic of uh, this Bartles test. Um, yeah. You know, I touched upon it a little bit in the intro. This Bartles, Doctor Bartle came up with this test to see how people, what type of gamer they were inside a first-person shooter-up game. Yeah. And he and, he boiled it down to basically four categories, if you want to sort of like walk us through what the four traditional categories are. I know people have updated them, but... Right. So you have uh, four main player types. And this is for, I think, more of a multiplayer game. So if you're thinking of games like uh, World of Warcraft or like a, a massive multiplayer online game... Um, those those kind of questions might be geared towards that. So you have the explorer, um, you have the the griefer, um, some some called killer. <laughs> you have uh, the the socializer, or I call him the diplomat. Um, or uh, you have what's the last one? You have the achiever. Mm-hmm. So you have those those four basic types. Do you want me to go in detail about what each type does? Well, I think we can we can do that in a sec, but. We had these sort of four categories that he broke down, um, and again, this was all for video game playing, and particularly a specific kind of video game. But yeah. uh, what I want to share before we kind of break down each one uh, is this sort of value for our classroom, because um, this Bartle test, I have definitely used it in my class, and I know many other teachers have, and I think what I've come to learn is you are how you game. So this this test actually yeah. has a lot of value for me as an educator. Um, but some of the language, because it's going after, especially that the the sort of killer characteristic, that one's tough. That's a tough one to swallow in the classroom and, and you know present, yeah. present to students. So uh, have you used it with your students yet? I haven't yet. Uh... And I was thinking about it. Um, last year was my first year of gamification, and I wanted so badly to take it. And I was, I was a little disheartened with what was available online because online they had that quiz that you could take. But you know, you got to think about my kids. Uh, they're fifth graders, and they're like, 
a lot of them aren't going to know some of the questions on there. So some of the questions might be like, you suddenly encounter a wizard that wants to give you two shillings. What do you do with this money? So it was a little bit game specific. The the jargon, I guess, is um, geared towards people that already are heavily involved in gaming. And I was thinking about my fifth graders like, well, I didn't have time because if you remember my last podcast, I think I had a week or two before class started, before I started gamification. I was like, I don't have time to make my own quiz. So, um, but I just put that on hold. And something that you should all know about Sean, like if he's going to do something, he's going to do it right. So I'm sure he could have like banged out a really quick rudimentary one, but he didn't want to do that because he knew he wasn't going to be putting out his best, best stuff, which just it would have been substandard would have been substandard, which is, you know, why do it then? Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, so you haven't used it with your students. I have, and it has been phenomenal. Uh, to, I use it for grouping my students, and I love it. So I kind of make sure my my groups are mixed so that they, they have some of each characteristic in there, if I'm able to. If some classes I don't have enough of each student uh, or each player type, but sometimes I do, and I definitely build my groups out that way. And then much like any of those personality tests, like I don't know if you've ever done one of the color tests where you answer all these questions to find out if you're a red yeah. type or a blue type. Yeah, I think I, I took them in middle school. All so, of them. So, <laughs> so same thing. It's really helpful to like approach a student or approach a group or approach a situation and kind of have this knowledge in the back of your pocket. So, uh, I mean, I definitely go up to my socializers and ask them, what's happening in a group because I know that their answer is going to be far richer and be able to hit the nuances of what's happening in the group as opposed to me asking anybody else in the group. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited to explore exactly how I can use these results because it's not just grouping, but just like you mentioned too, if you want to get any feedback or you want to figure out exactly what the team is doing at one particular time or uh one particular instance, then you know who to talk to because they're that type of person. And not to say that uh, a person's not dynamic, but this is a perfect way to figure out the type of gamer they are. And like specifically, uh, would they rather interact with other players or would they interact with the game world itself? And it kind of like disperses them into these different categories. Yeah, so I guess without further ado, let's dig into some of these categories and what what they kind of what characteristics they have. Yeah. Okay. So I, like I said, I had the fifth grade perspective. So I changed some of the names. So for example, instead of killers, I called them provokers. They're the type of player that really enjoy going against other real people and making their life a little bit tougher or i guess more miserable for lack of a better term but then <laughs> now wait a minute i i gotta i gotta just say that there are this is typically a group that teachers sort of don't care for sometimes but i think if you put the gamer spin on it and you kind of look at the, how a killer works or in your case a provoker works i sometimes describe them as highly efficient so in a cla- mm. in a classroom, we tend to like frown upon that, like oh, you cut some corners, you only did like part of the project or whatever. But the within the game world, the provoker uh, 
for example, you could slave away in the dungeon, you know, for eight hours, defeating all these monsters, and you gain this super sweet sword, and then you come up to the top of the surface, and one of the killers kills you and picks up your stuff. <laughs> like, How efficient are they? Yeah, because they don't have to do all the hard work of going in the dungeon for eight correct. hours. They just have to eliminate the weakest threat, I guess. Right, so like, you know, just putting a different spin on it, there are like yeah. some real positive aspects. Now we just have to harness that, that it's like works within our in-class game world but you're absolutely right michael i'm sorry i gave such a one-dimensional outlook on there's more though there's there's more there uh there they are <laughs> they're interested in affecting the environment so if you think of your students you all have some students like this right where they point out the mistakes or they find, they figure out like what's wrong with it so that you know you you can make it better so you know, it's all about perspective. If you think they're the person that can help you because they point out your flaws, then they're a valuable asset. Totally. Totally agree that, uh, and, you know, as a teacher, we want to think it, once you have this data, think about how you can play to all of these various gamer type strengths. When you're designing your lessons or designing your game, you know, have these guys in mind. Uh, and these guys can be, as you said, they want to affect the game world. So a lot of times I pull these guys in right away, my killers or my provokers. And I I kind of talk about how like we're being besieged, right? Like you're the mm. protectors of this period's like knowledge, this group's knowledge. What can we do to like put some things in place to protect our house, right? So I kind of have their killer instinct on a defense as opposed to an offense. That's a good that's a good thing because you gotta really harness that killer instinct they're they love to be pitted against one another and so like if you think of like your quizzes or your game battles or something like that really try to harness that all right so what's we had provoker uh how about achiever that's one that i think every teacher can kind of wrap their brain around pretty easily achievers yeah they're like the they're the diamonds in the skies they're the ones that always prefer they they want to get as many points as possible they want to get all the things but they're kind of efficient too because the unlike the explorers which we'll talk about later i suppose they they don't want to do everything but they they want to be the one to have the opportunity to show off their their skills and their new equipment but um they won't necessarily use it on other people they just want to show off but yeah it's because they work hard Totally. I would say in the in the classroom, what an achiever looks like, I feel like an achiever is that type of student who typically is performs very well, possibly, you know, high B to to the A range, but they care more about getting the A, not necessarily getting the knowledge. They like yeah. they I think they're the ones that always ask, you know, like what's the rubric? What do I need to do? You know, because they want to achieve. But that, for me, sometimes the achiever loses sight of the learning. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because if you, on the flip side, think about the explorer, the explorer is there for the knowledge, not necessarily for the grade. So it's it's kind of an opposite kind of dynamic and uh, kind of perspective. The achiever, yeah, is totally in it for the stuff. They want to get all the stuff, but not necessarily... Uh, for the for the knowledge, they just like it's a it's a check off the list. Kind of yeah, thing. and the explorer. So on the flip side, if we talk a little bit about explorer, they're the ones that 
want to like poke around and find the Easter eggs, find the hidden doorway, even mm-hmm. if it, even if it doesn't necessarily add to the end game level. Like you you could win the game without finding that that dungeon. Yeah, this uh, we're gonna speak about my favorite player type here because I'm an explorer. I um, you know when I was a kid, I did it for the grades, but um, so I was a little bit of an achiever. But I did it more just like. Because I got to explore, I got to do it for the knowledge. And so if you're thinking about the game world, they, they um, look into every facet of what you have to offer. And they look for, like, hidden secrets or they look for Easter eggs. That's what they call Or uh, they, um, they look for everything that other people probably don't know about. They're in it for, like, just diving full in into something that's, um, I guess, getting immersed is a, is a good way to put it. In, into the story or or what you have to offer and in the classroom what an explorer can look like is as you said they're they're kind of almost opposite of the achiever they they actually love probably your content love your stuff want to like go look around but then they might be the they might also be the absent-minded kid that forgets to actually turn the project in because like in their mind, they don't care. Like they've already explored it. They've moved out. Like what? Oh, like we're into a new chapter. That's cool. Tell me the new chapter. Cause they want to explore that new thing. They almost, forget, much... they almost forget to check the box that the achiever is all about <laughs> doing. Yeah. You got to really group, uh, and explore with an achiever, uh, because I was one of those kids. I was like, I did it. And then nobody knew about it. And it's, especially the teacher. And so, so my, my gamer profile, I come up pretty high on Explorer and that statement I just made couldn't be more true about me. I always turn my homework in, so I guess it's not totally true, but my point being sometimes I really hated having to take assessments and it wasn't because I was fearful of the assessment or I didn't want to write the paper or whatever. It wasn't laziness. It was just, I was done with that topic. Like we had mined yeah. that topic. We had worked on that book or we've worked on that paper for a month. I'm that took you away from more exploration. Yeah. Like I want to explore the next thing you're telling me that we're about to go to this other unit. Like I want to read that next book. I want to read that next chapter. I want to do that next thing. Uh, yeah. Where the assessments always felt like a little bit of almost a timeout. Cause you're, you've literally openly admitted as a teacher, we're done learning about this. We're now just going to take a time out and I'm just going to measure your learning. Well, like as an explorer, I don't care about the measure of my learning. I'm not, I'm not an achiever. It'd be a good thing to think about when you're thinking about your assessments or your, um, the way you want to gauge their learning is, uh, maybe as an explorer, like what could they do to like get that appeal? Um, I'm just uh, shooting off the top of my head here, but like if you could recreate some way for them to explore something while you're assessing their knowledge, I mean, that's, uh, I guess that would be like uh, project-based learning or um, some some way to, to kind of gauge like where they're at, but they're still having fun because it's something new for them. I've um, done... Not the content, but maybe the experience. One that worked out fairly well, I did it on my last assessment of the year, and I'm definitely going to build it into future ones is sort of this, this concept of an extra credit question. Now I, I mm. work in a school that does standard based grading, so we don't really have extra credit. Um, but I do it for game points and, but on the test there, there are just blank lines to answer these questions and the yeah. questions aren't on the test. The questions are hidden somewhere within our unit, you know, 
And so the explorer knows there's going to be on the test, you know, three, four questions that are worth experience points, but they have to find them before the test because the test won't ask the question. It'll just have four blank lines. It's perfect. And That's kind of my philosophy of uh, grading. I don't think that too much of the game world in my classroom should be the graded portion of it. Uh, but I guess that's a topic for another discussion. All right. That's great. I mean, you can come on another, another time we can talk that, but All right, uh, round three, round three, but we have one more uh, category to kind of cover before we talk about it in general. Well, we all know about those people in our classroom. They're the socializers. <laughs> That's right. You can spot them out within 10 minutes. They're the ones that, that love to directly be with other people. They love to socialize and they like to um, use their knowledge to help other people or work with another person. Yeah, they really like leveraging their social status and social network to do good. It's not, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, bullying or anything like that. We're just talking about they they like that power of connection and what that can do for a group. Yeah, they don't care about the next big, you know, uh, achievement. They, they care more about the potential of forming a bond with another person. And along the way, you might get this really awesome sword, but that's, you know, that's not their primary reason for being in the game. It's, yeah, it's the, for the, building relationships. Totally. And the game actually is really just a backdrop to the to the opportunity to form those connections and friendships. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely not the primary reason. Correct. Uh, so we have these four gamer types. And as we said, when you start to... There are several ways you can use them as teachers. I'm really excited to have this episode of Well Played because I have found this just to be powerful in my teaching when you have the students take it, which is great, but uh, the other powerful one we haven't really talked about is just your own lesson design, using this as a catalyst for your own inspiration. Like, what have I done for the diplomat or the socializer lately? What have I done for the explorer? You know, how can I add something? And just pondering that a little bit has, yeah. inf has infused many new things into my game. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, think about your game design or think about your classroom and who the game is speaking to right now. And, you know, sometimes I was a little bit guilty of this because if you understand yourself as a gamer, I was explorer slash achiever. Um, I was really going deep into those aspects for my other for my kids. But I mean, was I really providing enough experiences for my provokers or my socializers? Probably not as much as the other ones. So uh, this is a great opportunity for you as a teacher to, to understand your gaming personality, to be aware of what you're presenting to your kids. Yeah, I mean, and you kind of just presented another thing there, aware of your own biases, right? Because like, yeah. you were just pumping out a bunch of stuff that's great for you. Um, yeah, and I, I was having a great time. I was like, oh, if I was a kid, I would so want to be in my class right now. But I mean, what about the provokers? Yeah, when I first sat down to design my game, so I'm an explorer, like heavily. I'm like I said, I'm yeah, yeah, me too. In the high 80s, but like <laughs> the uh, the interesting thing though is when I first designed my game, I pumped out a bunch of things that I thought the achiever would like, and oh. I I thought that that was the largest portion of game players. You know, I thought like that's what I should do. I should come up with items and badges and points and you know things to you know leaderboards. Uh, 
but I, I came to find out after learning more and more about game design that the largest group of gamers in the world, like not necessarily your classroom, is actually the socializers. Socializers yeah. make up close to 70% of the gamer. You must have been in my classroom then because that's true for me. So, you know, thinking, as you said, thinking about like getting out of those other roles and at least making sure you have something for your various students is powerful. Yeah, and an important thing to remember about this quiz is that it's not one-dimensional and you have to put someone in a box. Oh, you must be an achiever and you only like these things. I took the quiz and I'm a little bit of, well, I'm not really so much of a provoker, but I'm I'm a little bit of everything. So on that, it's not necessarily, yeah. Well, I just want to say on that point, I want to share out that like, Sean has done us all a huge, huge favor, and he has sort of revamped this Bartles test and brought it into the 2017 language because he has populated a, a Google form with all sorts of GIFs that perfectly encapsulate the questions, updates the language a little bit to be a little more friendly to younger, but I would also argue, you know, even your high school students will enjoy taking this better than the other ones that I've seen out there. Uh, and as yeah, you... I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You got to think about the, the non-gamers, too. When I was thinking about the questions from the original quiz I found online, I was just thinking, like, are my kids going to know what a bard and a wizard are? And going into a tavern and... What's I didn't a think shilling? it was, yeah, showing, yeah, those <laughs> all good teachable moments, but it's not what I wanted to do with my quiz. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose is like figuring out what kind of gamer you are. And so I had to resuscitate it from its 1995 roots from the original quiz. And uh, Tisha Richmond really helped me out with creating a narrative for rearranging the questions to be more like a more like a, you're playing a game. So you're in this role-playing game. You have to make all these decisions. And so that's um, that's part of the quiz. So you get to take it and you have all these choices. So it is kind of like a 1995 video game where it's like text-based, but it includes games. No, so it's... <laughs> it is awesome. We're going like, to link that in the, the show notes here. Uh, I took it, and I will tell you what I – it seemed about as accurate as all the other ones I've taken uh, – but to Sean's point, you end up getting data about each of the roles. And the, the test is out of 200%. So when I read you these numbers, I'm not that bad at math. Uh, <laughs> so my socializer, which Sean has sort of dubbed diplomat on his, I scored 54%. Uh, my explorer, I scored 87%. Achiever, I scored 33%. And then provoker, which is again is that killer is 22 percent um mm. and then on yours you gave us this awesome like it spits out an email to you that gives you a sort of personalized google doc that tells you your primary it gives you your four categories i just read it gives you your primary and secondary format uh player types and then it also gives you a little like mm, flavor for what that's going to look like for your yeah, top that, for your that's, top two that's in yeah, big thanks to Erin Wolfhope, too. She is a Google wizard. She helped me with coding with emojis, and I didn't think that was possible. But And she didn't think it was possible, but we, we explored, and she was like, oh, yeah, you could totally do this. So all of your emojis that are on the, your possible answers link up to the results. And so 
as a teacher, I can check out all the results and like, okay, I mainly have a class of whatever, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, there's a Google doc that you get emailed as a student or whoever takes it from an add-on called Autocrat. And so she helped me out with that too. She's, she made the whole thing so much better. This is excellent and I'm excited to share it. Uh, and you know, hopefully we'll, we'll all get a lot of use out of it, but it is a great tool and I'm excited that you sort of updated it for us and are willing to share it with the world here. Well, I just wanted to do it right. But if anybody wants to use it, um, I guess they could message me on Twitter, I guess. And then I could just send them a copy. I'll figure out how to share it out, but first take the quiz. And then if you're interested, uh, just let me know. Awesome. Uh, it is about time for our reflection. And today's quote's kind of a funny one. It's by Richard. <laughs> it's by Richard Bach. I'm excited to hear what you think about this one. This one is: We are, we are game playing, fun having creatures. We are the otters of the universe. <laughs> I love otters. They're so great. <laughs> They're so great. They're cute. They're <laughs> lovable, and they always seem to be having fun. They really. They really do. You think about it, even in their their zoo environment, their <laughs> unnatural environment. They're just they're always the one with the beach ball. They, uh, they yeah. You you think of like an otter or, or a dog too. They just have that childlike wonder, and they live in the moment. That's what I love about those creatures is that they don't care about filing their taxes on time. They're like okay, now we got to do this right now. And they're just enjoying life. So I love it. I love it. My, uh, my take on that is otters are much like us in that we are social creatures. Mm. And I, I just remember all those like Facebook posts of the otters that are like holding hands, you know, <laughs> and they're like laying on their back. So and cute. It's so cute, but it's 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 so us though that we are social creatures. We like to do things together, and we we are we're playful creatures, and we need to remember that we're playful creatures. That's why gamification is so powerful. I can't speak enough about it. Well, uh, Sean, thanks for coming on the show and talking about the Bartle test and sharing those resources with us. Always a pleasure. As always, the rest of you guys can connect and share your ideas with us at explorelikeapirate.com as well as our two hashtags, hashtag XPLAP and hashtag wellplayedu. Uh, also subscribe to the new Gamification YouTube channel. Uh, hope to hear from you guys and I hope you're enjoying your week.